Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Morning, everybody. God bless Texas. Yeehaw! Come on. If you don't love Texas, what are you doing here? Praise God. Hey, um, we've had a real busy three months that we didn't get to travel. So we were at the office and uh, I drove the staff nuts. And, uh, and so people asked, did you lay anybody off? No, no, we actually hired one extra person because uh, I'm there now. <laughs> and we got stuff to do. So we have a brand new book that's out. It'll be out in two weeks. I have the first copy in my hand. And I've been working on this for about 30 years. I started this book 30 years ago when I started teaching parenting in the local church called The Four Kinds of Kids. Uh, Proverbs 1, there's only four kinds. There's a wise, simple-minded, foolish, and scornful. Uh, the wise child lives real long, uh, gets filthy, stinking rich. Everybody likes him. They can scale the wall of a city and take it captive. Uh, it, it's just real good. The other three, nothing good happens. <laughs> but all the scriptures are in the books. You can read it. Uh, a simple, if you're not wise, you're simple-minded. You're not evil. You're not full of the devil. You're, just, you're a doofus. You don't know anything. And you keep getting caught in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people because you have no wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get yourself some. And so if you stay simple-minded too long, you go to stage three, you become a fool. The Bible says the fool makes sport out of mischief. A fool is like a dog that pukes his guts out and eats it again. There's no future for a fool. But teachers love fools because they have great potential. Man, I think I got this kid. No, he's a fool. He's going to puke his guts out. It's not, it's not going to work. If you stay a fool too long, you go to stage four, you become a scorner. Now, scorners are bad. A scorner's like a gang leader. He can get everybody around him in trouble and never get caught himself. He gets everybody else in trouble. And so the Bible says, cast out a scorner, strife and contention will cease. So you don't want to tolerate a scorner. So it's a real good book. It's nothing but scripture. All the scriptures, uh, uh, the wise child, Proverbs, the Psalms, they're all in here for the scorner. They're all in here. And so it's really nothing but scripture. People, my yeah, I got several people that edit my books and said, this is nothing but scripture. Yeah, it came right out, came right out of this book. And we just kind of reprinted it in a smaller form. <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's all good. And so it'll encourage us. So uh, and it'll be out in two weeks. So make sure you get a copy. It'll be real good. I'm going, to, um, I'm going to do what I get to do when I'm here, which is just do what I want to do. And so I want to read something to you. This is, um, I'm going to cram two messages into one this morning. And uh, anyhow, uh, my wife warns me against it, but God bless her. <laughs> and so uh, in Numbers chapter 13, um, Cease to Be the Mill did a great movie called The Ten Commandments. You've got to kind of set yourself up. Uh, children of Israel uh, went into captivity. They've been in sin. Uh, uh, it started off real good. Uh, there were... Um, there were like 30 uh, Egyptian kings. Three of them were good. The rest were bad. So they went down and had the good kings that really liked the shepherds and everything went great for them for several decades. But then the shepherd kings got overthrown and the heathen kings took back over, the city kings. And so they didn't like the Jews. So they made slaves out of them. So now they're slaves and they're stomping in the mud and they're making all the bricks and, and uh, it's not going good. So they finally cried out for help. God, please come help us. Please come help us. And so God said, okay. And so what he did, he had a woman get pregnant. Because, you know, God doesn't move real quick sometimes. 
why you need to pray early and often. This is not a slot machine at Vegas. God does move, but you got to give him something to work with. And so they pray for deliver. A woman gets pregnant. She has a baby. Uh, but the devil's working because he knows well, something's going on. The angels have moved around too much. In the spirit realm, we don't see in the spirit realm, but God does. There are angels. There's so many angels, you cannot count them. They're innumerable. They're everywhere. You've got angels. I've got angels. Angels are everywhere. And they're busy all the time. Well, in the spirit realm, you also got the devil and demons. And they're watching one another. And so every time angels start flapping a lot, the devil knows something's going on and it's not good. So every time you get ready to step out to believe God, your angel starts showing up, begins to do things, and all of a sudden the, the devil knows, uh, God's getting ready to do something. We've got to stop this. I remember I have so many relatives that got born again over the years, and uh, same testimony. And then I remember one uncle called one time. He'd been born again spirit for about three months. He called me up. Hey, you got a minute, Joe? I said, you're sure. What is it, uncle? He said, Man, I guarantee ever since I got saved and spirit filled and got back in church, hell has landed on my head. I said, well, welcome to the family. And I said, listen, when you weren't in the family, hell didn't bother you. You were going to hell and, and they're just, hell's leaving you alone. But now that you join the family, whoa, you have hell's undivided attention and it's coming after you. And so you've got to learn to, you know, get your shield up and get your helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit. It's a war. Now we've been promised victory, but we have to fight. You got to fight. It's called the fight of faith. You have to fight. And I've told all my kids, I love my kids. And for years, I wanted nice kids. I said, kids, you better be nice. And I realized something, I don't want nice kids. Nice kids finish last. I want mean kids. I, and I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm serious. I told my kids, I want you to scare hell when you get up in the morning. Because if you're not scaring hell, you're getting stomped on. And all you, every time you open your mouth, what hadn't worked right for me, and nobody likes me, and I, I only got kicked on the team, and I didn't make first check flute, and I didn't make the challenge squad. And you just got mess in your life. Why? Because you're not doing anything. Hell's stomping on you. We're on an alien planet. Satan is the legal temporary god of this planet, 2 Corinthians 4 4. John 10 10, he kills, steals, and destroys. It's called a war. We promise victory, but we have to fight. So if you're not resisting, you're getting stomped. And so I tell people, I tell my kids, I know where you're at by what comes out of your mouth. Life and death and the power of the tongue. So I know where you're at mentally and spiritually by what comes out of your mouth. Well, I don't think I'm going to make it. Then you're not. I had, a, I had a daughter one time, real good. She's a good athlete, got a scholarship to college, and uh, majored in accounting. So, so she majored in accounting, and so she got a great job at a great company, and they promised her a raise, and they started off really good. Well, the economy taking a downturn, so... She's in her third year employed with them and no raise. They promised her a raise every year. Three years in a row, no raises. So I go by her house one day, she's crying. So what's wrong with you? Well, they lied. They're not ever going to give me a raise. They're never going to give me a raise. I said, well, hmm, interesting. And so what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to quit. Well, I said, who's hiring? I, I thought nobody was hiring right now. Well, you barely got this job. So where are you going to dump this one and get another one? That, I don't think there is another one. Well, I just think I'm going to quit. I said, well because uh, they're not going to give me a raise. Well, I agree. I just, let's, let's just pray. Let's just shut up and pray. No matter how, according to Matthew 18, 19, and we held hands. I'm not making this up. I held hands with us. And, Lord, I set myself in agreement with my daughter. According to Matthew 18, 19, in Jesus' name, I plead the blood. She'll never get a raise in this company. Never will she ever get a raise. Many people in this company will get raises, but she will not be one of them. And she raised her hands. What are you trying? I, honey, I love you. I want what you want. And since you're not going to get a raise, I don't want to agree with it. You'll never get a raise. I don't want you to get one. 
You'll never, I plead the blood, you'll never. Dad, quit saying that. Well, you quit saying it. Shut your mouth up. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak say I'm strong. And then call those things that be not as though they're. You better get your mouth in gear. And so, so anyhow, I taught Bible for years in uh, my local scope. Uh, I had chapel 170 days a year. I taught a sermon every day for 10 years, 170 times. So I went, I went through the Bible 10 times in 10 years. And, uh, and you kind of get it concrete in you. You do that a lot. It's like, oh, I think I got it. And so, uh, so you, you realize the Bible leaks out of your brain. You got to keep showing it in every day. You got to meditate every day in the Word of God. So one of my favorite stories is here in, in Numbers. It's the children of Israel. They're going to the promised land. They've been in Egypt, been slaves. Moses is born. Uh, he gets delivered, and, and Pharaoh raises him up, and then he goes off in the wilderness. So he's 80 years old. He comes back. He's an 80-year-old man. All he's got is a stick. He has no army. It's just him and his stick. But miracles happen. You know, the 10 plagues and all the great stuff. They made a movie out of it. And so uh, the Red Sea parts, and so they're at the promised land. They're finally going to what they've been believing for for 40 years. We're going to live in houses we didn't build, eat from vineyards we didn't plant. It's going to happen. God is so good. Amen. And so they get together, Numbers, and uh, they said, well, let's take one man from each tribe, 12 boys, let's send them into the promised land and see if it's exactly like God said. And so they did. So for 40 days, the boys went into the promised land, and they spied out the land. Well, they come back after 40 days, and people are waiting. They're on the other side. They're, man, what was it like? Well, it's just like God said. Big old land. Man, I'm telling you, got grapes the size of your head back there. Took two guys carry this one cluster of grapes back. And pomegranates and figs. And it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, that's wonderful. Let's go just, well, no, you don't understand. There are giants in the land. And they're big. And they're real big. You know, brothers of Goliath, his cousins. And they're 10 foot, 2 inches tall. And they got six fingers, six toes. And we asked them what they thought about us. And they said, we look like grasshoppers. I'm not making it up. It's in your Bible. So, so all of a sudden, everybody starts to cry. Now, the Bible says the 12 spies that went in, they all saw the same thing, heard the same thing, ate the same thing, felt the same thing. When they came back, 10 had an evil report. Two had a good report. They saw the same thing. They heard the same thing. They felt the same thing. But 10 thought, we can't do it. Two said, no, we do it, man. It's just like God said, let's go get in and get our stuff, man. Let's go after this. There's always a 10% remnant in every generation. What are you going to do? I think I'm going to believe God. And you got the, the bulk, the other nine said, no, no, it's bad. Uh, we're going to die. Everybody's going to get it. We're all going to get sick. We're going under. No, we're not. Now, I talked Friday night to the people that showed up. I said, I talk what Jesus taught, because you need to quote Jesus a lot, Luke 17. Jesus said in the last days, in the last days, before he comes back to earth, before he comes back to earth, people be eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, buying, selling, building, and planting. Jesus said it will be business as usual to the day the Lord comes back. So whatever this is, it's going to pass. And something else will pop up. And it'll pass. And something else will pop up. It'll pass. We live on a planet where Satan is the god of this planet. He steals, he kills. Our job is to resist the devil. We're to use our shield of faith and resist the devil. We're to feed the hungry, help the orphan, help the widow, visit people in prison. We're the, we're the salt and light of this planet. We have job security. 
Where, where's hell at? Everywhere. Let's go whip some hell today. Get in that hell whipping mode. So they come back, and so all of a sudden they begin to cry, and, and, uh, and the majority believe the 10. Oh, man, oh, we'd only died in Egypt. We should have died in Egypt. And God heard them. Now it gets ugly. Go over to chapter 16 and 17. God's talking. So God tells them, that's it. Now the Bible says God tested them 10 times on that 11-day march to the promised land. We're leaving this 11-day march over. He tests them. Bitter water, no water, no food. He's trying, God is trying to get his people to use their faith. God, the creator of the universe, is trying to get his people that he loves to use their faith. But they won't. We're thirsty. There's no food. We're tired of this food now. We want some quail. And then they chewed the quail, and I have them died over that one. It's like, it was never good enough. So God finally said, that's it. I'm through with them. Everybody 20 years and up, up, if you're 20 years of age and older, I'm going to keep you here in the wilderness until you all drop dead. I'll take your children in. Now, we don't quote that scripture. That's not on the Bible memory verse. But it's in the Bible. <laughs> and I realized God inhabits praise, not gum flapping, not gum flapping, grappling, complaining, dear Lord. What we go. God will not inhabit that. It's called the sacrifice of praise because you never feel like doing it. That's why it's the sacrifice of praise. We're going to do I think I'm going to start thanking God. For what? Well, I want to see something different. I want to experience something different. Father, I thank you. You supply all my need when you're rich in the glory of Christ Jesus. You surround me with the shield of divine favor. People like me, they don't even know why. Because if you don't do that, you'll go into the negative side. And it'll come out of your mouth. You can't hide it. And everybody you're around, everybody you live with next door to you, everybody you work with will know you're the negative. It's all negative. Not gonna make it. Not gonna work. I've been through this, man. I, I, I told him I read the. We had six major events in the last 100 years, starting with a stock market crash of '29, where people went broke. Uh, grown men jumped off buildings in New York City and committed suicide, killed themselves, lost everything. At the same time, there were billionaires that came out of 1929. Some people got rich. There's always a remnant thing. No, I think we have an opportunity here. I see an opportunity. No, I see hell. Well, you're looking at the wrong thing, big boy. I see an opportunity. There's always an opportunity. God said, whatever's come upon you, he has already made a way out. There's already a way out. Well, are you looking for the way out or are you looking for the, the bad? It's just getting worse. Now, I got a big family, bless their hearts. Thank goodness I've all gone to heaven. I'm the only one left. My dad had 12 brothers and sisters. They all had kids. I'm the only McGee left on this planet. I buried both my parents, my in-laws. I buried a sister, buried my wife. I buried everybody. I'm still here. But now, now don't, don't, don't make light of this now. I, I said from a young age, because we, we had funerals at the house. We had an embalmer in town. We didn't have a funeral home. There's only 750 people. So he'd fix you up at his house, and then they'd roll the casket into your house the night before the funeral and we would sit up with the dead we're southern we did that so they bring them to the house move the cows throw the cats and lift the lid up and and when everybody bring chicken and baked beans potato salad you sit up with the dead and you'd talk about them and gripe at them and cuss them and you'd cry and you'd weep and you'd repent and then you'd get mad again by the time the sun came up you ready to stick them in the ground stick them in the ground dear lord it helped the grieving process it did 
Well, my dad made me touch more dead people. I could never been a priest in the Old Testament. My dad would take me over every time. Now I'm seven, and one of my great aunts has passed away. Great gal. Came in and got the cat rolled it up. Well, I, I grew up in the country in the Appalachian Mountains of East Tennessee. Women didn't wear makeup. Nobody got no makeup on. Well, they got her painted up like a $2 streetwalker. And I was like, I said, what did they do to her? They got, she didn't wear lipstick. They got her cheeks all rosy like she's in bows of the clown, you know? And I remember, oh my goodness. And so my dad said, tell her by, so I'd pat her. Well, she's stiff as a two before. I didn't remember, what did they do to this? She's froze like concrete. And so I, I touched and I told her by, and I got to thinking, I had a revelation at age seven. Yeah, I said, you know something? That's going to be me one day. They're going to eventually, you live long enough, they're going to stick you in a box and put you eight foot in the ground. Because, you know, we visit the cemetery once a month. You go mow the grass, take flowers, you know, God bless them, they're gone. And uh, so we did that a lot. So, you know, I was around dead people a lot. And you think, you know, I said out of my mouth at age seven, I better get busy living because every day that goes by the day I don't get back. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live life to the fullest. I'm going to go everywhere, do everything. Anytime you ask me a question, the answer is yes. Would you like to go here? Yes. You want to do this? Yes. I'm going to do everything once. Yes. So I've done a lot of dumb stuff. Jumped off rock quarries and, you know, hang glided. I've done some things I shouldn't have done, but I did it once. Well, you know, I'm never doing that again. No, yeah, this is dumb. <laughs> But you go through life one time, and I would hear old people sit around the porch Sunday afternoon. Oh, white-haired people, all my family. You know, when I was younger, I wish I'd have done this. I could have done that. And I had an opportunity to do this, and I wish I'd have done that. And they're all wishing what they had done. And so what was great growing up in that family, my dad was the youngest, I was 12, was hearing all the old people complain and gripe about what they didn't do. So I had schooling. I had an education where I went to school. What are we going to do? Everything. I'm doing it all. And so when I share my testimony at businessmen's meetings, I tell people how I became an engineer. I said, how did you become an engineer? I got a job as a janitor. And I realized I didn't like that job. So I bet on another job. And then I realized, oh, that's not too good either. So I bet on So every plan I was in was always a union shop, so I bid. I bid my way to the top. And I remember when I became a lab technician, the guy interviewed me. He worked for NASA, Steve Radline, a great guy. And he said, why do you want to be a lab technician? I said, well, I have a lot of hobbies. Work's not one of them. I work for cash. Y'all make more money in here than we make out there in the plant. Plus, it's air conditioning here, and there's no air conditioning out there. And you wear those nice uniforms. You eat your food. You just cater in from the deli. We're eating that, you know, pineapple cream cheese out of the machine out there, and it'll stop you up for a month. And I said, <laughs> and I said you know, I'm, I got a bigger vision for my life. And so... Uh, uh, so anyhow, long story short, I became an engineer, and, and God really blessed me. So even after I got in ministry, I realized I don't want to settle. Too many people are trying to settle. What are you doing? You go through life one time. I want to settle. I'm laying up treasure in heaven. And my, life, and my kids know I've said it so many times. I said, you better get busy living. Death's coming. You, the body's going to wear out one day. You get another. Get busy living because you're laying up treasure in heaven by the people you serve and the things you do now. So I want to have a, I want to have a big, I don't want some stinking log cabin on the backside of heaven, seeing those stupid country, log cabin in heaven. I want a log cabin. I want the biggest honking thing they got. I want in the gated community because that's what you did with your life. What'd you do? That's mine, boys. I got the big house because I spent my life serving other people, helping other people, blessing other people. I'm trying to give it away as fast as I get it because I'm trying to put some seed in the ground. 
So anyhow, that's the introduction. Here's the sermon. It's real good, by the way. Uh, now I'm going to paraphrase all of it because I've got some time. I'm reading out of Nehemiah. Now, one of the advantages to teach through the Bible 10 times 10 years, you hit everything. So Nehemiah is an incredible story. Most people haven't read it. And uh, he, was, he was a jewel. So just to kind of paraphrase that starts off in chapter one. Uh, he's serving the king over in Babylon. Now, a lot of the Jews have gone home. And they've gone, they were slaves, and they got captured, and they burnt down Jerusalem, and they burnt down the temple. Well, several people have gone home. You know, they've been going a little at a time. Well, he still worked for the king. The king really likes him because he's a real good servant. And so <laughs> he's there serving Nehemiah. And all of a sudden, some relatives came back. They've been to the temple, and they came back to Babylon. And he said, hey, how are things at home? And I said, well, Nehemiah, they're bad. It's bad. Man, the walls are torn down. The temple's been burnt, man. But you don't have jobs. It's just bad. And so Nehemiah said, oh, man, that's not good. Because he was looking forward to going home. And so he begins to cry and pray. And so for six months, he's praying and crying. And, he, and they got the whole thing that he prayed in the Bible. So all this is real good. Oh, God, he says, forgive us. for We sinned. We were rebellious. Forgive us. Wash us clean by the blood of Jesus. And he spells this whole great prayer thing. And so then all of a sudden, six months later, he's serving the king. He, he's the king's number one guy. And so he's serving, and the king notices his face. And he said, what's wrong with you, Nehemiah? You don't look too happy. He said, no, king, I'm fine. He said, no, what is? There's something wrong with it. Well, he said, well, and he, so he says, and so he prayed to himself, Lord, help me right now because I'm getting ready to dump on it. Said, well, king, I've got relatives that have gone home. My home, they've torn down the walls. The temple's destroyed. We've got no place to worship. And it's just bad. And if I could, uh, would you let me go home for a few months and get things put together, and then I'll be back? And the king and his wife are sitting there, and they both like him. They said, well, how long are you going to be gone? And uh, what do you need to do? When are you going to get back? And well, I'm going to do this. The king says, sure, we can do that. When do you need to leave? Tomorrow. Okay. Anything else? Yes, there, there is. Because i got to pass through a lot of the people you captured. Do you mind writing me some letters that give me approval to pass through all the places? Nobody will mess with me. Sure. So the king writes a bunch of letters. So he goes home, he didn't tell anybody he was there, he walks around the walls of Jerusalem and realizes, man, what a mess. So he visits with the people the next afternoon, boys, i am come from Babylon, I'm here to help you out. We're gonna rebuild these walls and get things back together, put the temple back together. And that was a, whoa, finally a leader, whoa, let's do something. And so they got busy doing that. Well, there's another guy, a bad guy called Sanballat. That's a great name, Sanballat. He's a doofus, he's a heathen. And he doesn't like the fact. He likes the fact that Jerusalem's been torn down. They're not a threat to anybody. All of a sudden, he realizes, hey, the Jews are starting to build the walls back. So he goes down. He says, you can't do that. So Sanballat threatens Nehemiah. We're going to come attack you and kill everybody down there. And so Nehemiah says, no, you're not. I got permission from the king. I got a piece of paper. Plus, I know God. You're not going to mess with us. He got real arrogant with it. So Sanballat gets mad. He tries to rally the people. And so all of a sudden, they're kind of halfway through the wall, and Sabbath realizes, you know, they're making progress. This isn't good. This isn't good. So he writes them a letter. Hey, hey, just, just calm down down there. Take a break. Come over and have lunch with me, and let's just see if we can get something worked out. And that's the heathen guy. Your whole life, there'll be somebody from hell that'll be dressed real nice in a suit and tie, a real nice dress, trying to talk you out of what you're doing. Hell has cheerleaders. They want you to go the wrong direction. So you got to make sure you heard from God. Because hell's going to give you more opportunities to quit than you could ever imagine. So all of a sudden he says, and so Nehemiah says, nope, 
No, I'm too busy. And says, no, no, you need to get. So five times, Sanballat writes him. No, you need to come back. Come on, come on, come on over here and we'll eat lunch. No, no, I'm not coming over there. I'm too busy right now. And, he's, and so all of a sudden, he's just beside himself. He doesn't know what to do. And so finally, about the fifth time, the people realize, man, it's going to get ugly. So the people start to quit on Nehemiah. They've been good. They've been excited. He's been resisting the devil, you know, from the end of, through Nehemiah. And all of a sudden, the people say, well, maybe this is wrong. We're making everybody bad. We shouldn't have church. We shouldn't get together because this upset everybody. And we just want people to love us. We're Christians. We just want you to love us. Can we come hug your neck? We just want to love you? No, no. Loving you is serving people and getting people saved and helping the poor and the widows and the orphans. I'm trying to hug your neck. I don't care what you think. God bless you. Go with God. Sean died. <laughs> We're not stopping. We're not going to stop. So all of a sudden, man, it gets down and finally he gets them re-energized and they finish the wall in record time. 53 days, record time against opposition. What'd you do? Well, now, you gotta go back to the beginning. What's Nehemiah doing? Well, he heard a bad word. What's going on? My family's in trouble back home. They have needs. The walls are torn down. They're being oppressed. I gotta go help them. Why would you do that? Because they need help. Well, no, you need to stay here. You got a great job. You work for the king. You live in a nice house. You got a good paycheck. Why would you go get in that, why you want to get in that mess? It's my family. It's the body of Christ. It's my family. My family needs help. I'm here to help those in need like Jesus did. We're doing the same thing. I help people in need. So he quits a good job with a good paycheck and he goes back and he realizes, man, this is a mess. Good Lord. This is a mess. But I think I can encourage you. Guys, we can do this. You ever build a wall? No, but I can read a book and I got something going on right here. I've been to... Home Depot, and I got a real good book about building walls, and we're going to do this right now. You ever made mud? No, but I, I don't think it's that big a deal. I've seen mud made before. And so they get busy doing it, and you think, well, I've overcome, I've resisted hell, I've heard from God, I'm launching out, and everybody's excited. Pachoom, 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 I had opposition. Then all of a sudden, your own people, your own people, I'll say, this is wrong. I don't think we ought to be doing this. Do what? And so he has to give another speech. Now, I'm not going to read it because it will get you too excited. <laughs> really, you ought to read it. You ought to read Nehemiah. This is the first six chapters. It'll bless you. And so I said, guys, we can do this. You're right. Yes, we can. So he's having to encourage his own people again. So they gave his, and they finished in record time. And when Sanballat heard about it, he went into deep depression. Who did? It's in the Bible. It's in the New Living Translation. Sanballat went into deep depression. Why? We're here and we're not leaving. They made a good Star Wars movie, you know, I'm back, I'm back. And you got to realize something, this is our planet. God made this for us. Adam's sin gave it away, I'm taking it back. I belong to the body of Christ, Jesus Christ my Lord, I got so many angels around me, I'm walking into the desert, I'm going, I'm going into places where they need water and they need help. I'm a blessing. So that's what we get to do. So, so many people get so politically correct in these last days. And now I'm, I'm real, I'm on the edge. My wife over here in the second service, she'll correct me a lot. But I, and she knows me really well. So listen, we live in the greatest day of human history. 
the absolute greatest. In the last days, God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Our sons and daughters will prophesy, will dream dreams, will have visions. Things are going to happen. In the last days, God's trying to show off. He's looking for somebody to move through. God's not looking for a, a smart person. He wants to have somebody he can be smart through. He's not looking for a, a strong person, a rich person. He wants somebody he can show off through. That's all of us. Hey, God, use me. I'm available. Use me. And so we live in the greatest day of human history. So people will tell me, and I haven't had people tell me, well, you're just, you're just a positive person. No, no I'm a Christian. I came in the book. It's real good. It's full of a lot of promises. And so you need to kind of keep your face in the book. Third John 2, Joshua 1, 8, Psalm 1, 2, 3. If you meditate in the word day and night, you'll prosper with good success. Well, the comments about it. I don't care what the comments doing. It's not messing with me. You've not been attacked? Well, sure. We all get attacked. The devil attacked Jesus. The devil attacked Paul. He'll attack anybody. My job is to resist him. If I'm not resisting him, I'm giving in. It'll come out of my mouth. We're not going to make it. I don't think we're ever going to come back. Now, my church, in, my church in Tulsa, we were the first one to open up. And we're, we're not the biggest church, but one of the top ten biggest churches in the city. And so, Pastor couldn't wait to open up. He's an old Texan. He's from Texas. You know, the Alamo, Texas. When can we open up? Sunday. We're opening up. Well, no, it's still too dangerous. Well, we're opening up. So we opened up, and we all had our mask. We had to stay six feet apart, and then check the temperature going in. But we showed up, and we filled the place up. Now, we were spread out, but we filled the building and the balcony up. Man, we had one great time of worship. It was good. And so we did that for three weeks, and finally, we didn't have to separate anymore. And we have got to stop wearing our mask. And so we got a, we got a mayor, God bless him, and he's real scared. And so he just made a new law last week, got to put the mask back on. If you go in public, you better wear that mask. Well, our, our governor doesn't believe in the mask. So if you're anywhere that's not the city of Tulsa, if you're going to Broken Era or, or you know, all the towns that surround us, you don't have to wear a mask. The restaurants are full, everybody's at the lake, people water skiing, playing volleyball. Now, I'm just trying to help you. There's always two groups of people. Now, I'm a firm believer, whatever the law of the land says, you do. You obey the law of the land. I'm here to be a blessing. So I wear my mask, and I got a Snoopy mask. I don't, I don't have no more. I got a really nice mask. It's got Snoopy all over it. And, uh, and so I love, I, love, I, love, I love Snoopy. So anyhow, I got a Snoopy mask. It's real cute, real fun. It's custom made. And I wear it when I go out. I hate the thing. I'm breathing my own stuff. <laughs> what are you breathing? My own nasty stuff coming out of my mouth. I need some fresh air. And of course, we fly, we're flying all the time. You know, you got to put it on in the plane. You can't get on the plane and they'll tell you you got to get off. So got to keep it on, keep the thing up on your nose. So you'll see. <laughs> I, need a, I need some breath. So I sometimes lift it up and cheat and I pull it up. <laughs> oh, thank God. But I'm doing what they require you to do. For whatever reason, God has allowed you and I to be alive in the last days. Tests and trials will come. But we're called to overcome and be more than a conqueror. And to be a blessing to everybody around us. Because they're looking at us. Are you scared? No. I'm not stupid. I'm using wisdom. I'm walking with wisdom of those that are out. Trying to keep my distance, whatever they tell me to do. 
You think it's a big deal? No, not personally, but I'm going to do what they asked me to do. And so I got relatives that, that won't leave home and pass on. We share family members that are close to age nine, uh, kids, and close family. They won't leave the house. Why? Wow. It's bad out there. I said, well, we're leaving the house. We fly every weekend. We're going to the restaurant. You want to go? No, we can't go out. And they won't. And they're very smart. They're college educated, spirit filled. Everybody's different. So my last word to you is don't judge anybody. Don't judge anybody. The Bible says, Apostle Paul that prayed in tongues more than anybody wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's sitting in a, in a restaurant outside the Temple of Diana. The Temple of Diana, you know, you go there, it's a wacko cult. You go in and throw some meat on the grill, you fornicate with somebody's daughter or wife in the temple because you had to serve a week if you're a woman down there. Well, they took that meat in the Temple of Diana that you threw on the grill to worship Diana. On the backside, they have a restaurant where they sell your food because, you know, they can't waste that meat. So, hey, some Billy Bob threw it on the grill to worship a devil thing, but we took the meat and we got a restaurant going on. So Paul's eating in that restaurant. It's in your Bible, it's in the New Testament. Paul's in the restaurant eating meat, and a guy walks in and said, do you know where that meat came from? Now, Paul, that wrote two-thirds of your testament, he said, uh-huh. He says, does that not bother you? No, it's just meat. He said, that bothers me. Paul said, well, if that bothers you, I won't eat it anymore. And he didn't go back to the restaurant. It's in the New Testament. We need to respect the people around us. Honor the people around us. Don't judge the people around us. Love the people around us. It's love that wins them over. And eventually they'll ask you about the hope that's in you. We said, well, I just love God. and I'm excited to be here in the last days. I think things are going to be great, you know. Business is good, and we're having to overcome like everybody else and do new things. But, you know, every time the devil attacks, you know, whatever the devil steals, he owes back seven times. And that's Bible. Whatever a thief steals, the devil's a thief, he has to pay back seven times. So I said, you take it, big boy, but I'll bankrupt you. Because what you take, I'm, I'm going to do seven times better somewhere else. So we've all gone through it in businesses. You know, what happened? Well, we had to close this, to shut this down, shut that. Well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to have to do this now. And so uh, I remember during the pandemic, they said, well, uh, we pulled off radio and we got on the, we got on, we're on the web. We're on everywhere. You know, we got on post now. So we, we used to be on 30 minutes a day, once a day. Well, now on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I went from paying 9000 a month to $480 a month, and I'm reaching thousands more on the web. And so what looked like a negative, oh, man, it's negative. No, God's hiding. God's hiding in here somewhere. He's like, hey, <laughs> whoa. And so we're saving $8,500 a month, reaching thousands more. And so how can we know that? God said, I've always been here, son. Just pay attention. Whatever the devil tries to steal, I'll make him pay back seven times. Amen. So get your faith in me. Quit, get your eyes off the negative. Yeah. No, all the Bible's full of stories. You know, Peter walking in the storm. Woo, he's at that boat, Ben. He's hoping after Jesus. And all of a sudden, he got his eyes off Jesus and on the waves. And, oh, this was dumb. <laughs> and he started to sink. And Jesus reached out and grabbed him, right as he's sucking water down his throat. And the first thing Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. Now, we don't hear all the stories. The Bible said all the stories don't get written. I try to imagine Peter. 
because he's mouthy, you know. He probably was coughing, spitting like Jesus saved him down. Well, at least I got out of the boat. The other of them didn't get out of the boat. Jesus said, that's why I'm not talking to them, not doing anything. I'm not talking to people that aren't moving. <laughs> I only talk to people that are moving. <laughs> now I played football, baseball, basketball, I played all sports. Coach only talked to the one doing something. He's the one that got yelled at. The guy sitting on the bench, they don't get yelled at. They're not doing anything. Why is Coach always yelling at you? Because I have potential. He's trying to make me better. I'm doing something. He's trying to make me better. They're doing nothing. He can't make them better. They're doing nothing. You can't make nothing better. You can't improve nothing. You can only improve something. And so... When you go home today, just go somewhere and find your mirror and stare at yourself. Point your finger. You are a blessed individual, you little rascal, you. <laughs> you are one blessed individual. God is smiling on you. There's so many angels. Woo! God's ordered your steps, directed your paths, guiding you into all truth. Your greatest days in front of you, not behind you, son. Now, people think, you do that, I do that. Every, but you can ask my wife, every bathroom I'm ever going to, she asks me, who are you talking to? Me. I don't pass a mirror that I don't say, hey, hey, you doing you good looking thing. <laughs> yeah, God's blessing you, man. I'm telling you, whoa. And I do it all the time. Do you know how many people, and I got a big family, they get in that mirror like, dear God, it's another day. Dear God, I hope we make it. No, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If the weak Sam strong, the poor Sam is, you've got to call those things to be not as though they are. That's how faith works. Faith speaks. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.